Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trending lower this morning as investors digest the latest comments from the U.S. Federal Reserve, as well as another volatile session on Wall Street overnight. Seoul is down three-quarters of a percent, Sydney is off one-third of a percent, and Tokyo is in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action this morning, good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Corporate earnings, interest rates, SPACs, REITs. We knew this Thursday was going to be busy this week. And let's just say it's not going to disappoint. We're going to begin, though, with two stories that should be of particular interest for people who work in the financial sector and those investing in banks. It seems that international banks have a lot of cash and resources on hand. And two banks in particular are taking diverging paths in terms of who gets the money. One bank in Europe is taking the tried and true path of making payouts to shareholders, and the other in the U.S. is using its funds to gain an upper hand in the war for talent. Let's start with Deutsche Bank. Ryan, which path is it taking? All right, Deutsche is giving some good news to investors. So it previously had scrapped payments to cover the cost of its turnaround program, and this was back in 2019. And now it thinks it's time to start paying out again, 790 million dollars that is returning to shareholders and this is as the bank starts to return to profit so i guess it's good news for banks if you look at what's happening around the landscape rates going up some signs of recovery happening and for deutsche bank it's just fruits that it has managed to reap from sowing uh, after so many years of pain it seems like the plan is coming to fruition and it has stabilized the investor confidence enough and revive the stock price enough that it is now one of the best performers among banks in Europe over the past two years. So that is just a reflection of how well the program or plan is going on. So that's going to be in focus as the turnaround plan reaches its final year and it's set to unveil a strategy update in March. Yeah, good news for its shareholders. Deutsche Bank last paid a payout uh, back in 2019. Our next financial institution in focus is Bank of America. It's decided to hand out $1 billion US dollars worth of its stock to its workers. For the first time, BOA is opening up its stock awards program to lower-level employees, such as bank tellers. Top executives will not receive any of these new shares. Those making more than half a million dollars a year are excluded from the program. Analysts say that the size of this share distribution is quite rare. What do you make of it, Ryan? Okay, so this is just a reflection of, I think, how competitive it is to get talent in some really tough-to-field jobs. And it's also to keep or retain its existing talent. Bank of America just giving or getting more creative with how it's doing so, giving stocks and, in a sense, ownership to some of their stuff. So $1 billion worth of restricted stock. Uh, and this is also applicable to the lower-ranked or lower-level employees who make up to $100,000 a year. So previously, these employees would receive a one-time cash bonus. But mm-hmm. I think with the mechanism of a stock, it kind of gives you some sense of ownership and also makes you more vested in the long-term performance of where the company is going. So it is quite, in a way, clever for them to execute this um, stock give out to its workers. 
Absolutely. And frontline tellers will receive, based on the share price of about $45, uh, bank shares on paper, the equivalent of about $2,900. With interest rates set to rise this year, everyone expects Singapore's banks to earn more money. They usually do well during rate hike cycles. So what do you think? Do our local banks take a cue from BOA or Deutsche Bank and maybe increase payments to shareholders, even maybe employees? Alright, so I am going to give a bit of a mixed look here or mixed bank here because if you look at what's OCBC up to these days, they've been giving out a lot of goodwill money so I'm not sure how much that will go towards hurting um, their coffers in terms of what they're giving out to shareholders. So something to look out for when they do report their earnings in the coming weeks. Um, looking at where we are for banks in general, uh, they do have a case to pay out more because um, in the past year or so, we've seen a bit of a cap when it comes comes to how much you can give for dividends due to the pandemic and the restrictions from MAS. That's been since lifted, so they do have the headroom for more dividends in the coming quarter. So that is one to watch out for. And like I pointed out, during good times, recovery times, they are tending to pay out more as a way to reward shareholders uh, as they make more money and also from higher margins as well as interest rates go up. So they'll be one to watch. There is a case for them to reward their shareholders with increased dividends. All right, let's turn now to corporate earnings. Let's start with Tesla. It's reporting record profits for the fourth quarter of the year. It grossed more than 17 billion US dollars in the three months from October to December. That is 65% higher than a year earlier. It also tops expectations, but all is not sunshine and flowers at the electric car maker, though. Think supply issues. Ryan, what's the big deal there? Okay, it's a bit of a good and bad news report here for Tesla. So on the good side, record deliveries again. And bad news, I guess, is what's facing the rest of the automaking industry. Supply chain issues, shortage of parts, especially in chips. That is limiting its capacity to produce more. Uh, even though it's seeing demand, it can't meet them. And that is also affecting the likes of the new models. So no new models this year, including Cybertruck, Roadster, all these models have to wait until next year. So it's being prevented from making more money. So that's going to be something they will try to navigate by maybe making their supply chain more vertically integrated. For example, it's been trying to be more nimble around the dependence on its suppliers. So that'd be one to watch to see if Tesla can get around those issues. Yeah, so no $25,000 cars from Tesla this year. They're not going to be launching any new vehicles this year. Uh, Cybertruck on hold as well. Tesla shares, meanwhile, fell as much as 5% in after-hours trade. They are currently trading down about 0.8%. Next up, let's look at Intel. Ryan, the headlines for this chipmaker, Divergent. Bloomberg says Intel has provided a weak profit for CNBC notes Intel did better than expected in the fourth quarter and has issued some upbeat guidance. So which is it? Okay, I would say maybe there's a typo in someone's headline. <laughs> uh, but maybe there's a case for both views. Okay, so let's start with CNBC's version. One of them says upbeat guidance, but I'm looking at another article on CNBC and it says downbeat guidance as well. So exactly. I'm not sure where to go with this. Um, so if I try to read into the more positive side of things, the bright spots are how the CEO Pat Gelsinger is saying you know, things are resilient and whatever dropped was just transitory. It's just due to seasonal patterns. Things will come back. So that's the 
positive side of things. He said he wouldn't read too much into anything quarter on quarter. Okay, let's go into the numbers per se, and you know numbers don't lie. So let's look at what we have in terms of forecasts. And I think that is where Bloomberg is basing its headline, weak profit forecasts. Um, so that is with the earnings expected to come in at 80 cents a share in the first quarter. That is below analyst consensus forecast of 86 cents. And also gross margins are expected to tighten at Intel um, due to its investments in factories in order to ramp up for future capacity and innovation. So it's having to spend now to earn later. So that's going to hurt it in the near term at least. So something that is possibly a headwind for its bottom line in the near term. One more tech company to highlight, Apple. We don't have its full results yet. The iPhone maker will report its numbers tonight. But we do have an indication of how Apple is performing in one of the world's biggest markets for mobile phones, China. So Ryan, what is the verdict? Do you think Apple's CEO Tim Cook is smiling or is he fuming this morning? (laughs) He should be smiling for a few reasons. And this is with partly Apple topping China. Of course, China, a huge growth market for Apple and topping China for the first time in six years. And that in part due to some bad misfortune for Huawei fading because of various reasons. Uh, Maybe customers don't like Huawei enough. And also, of course, the sanctions against Huawei, which has been constrained by how it can't use many of the Google services on its phones. That has been weighing on Huawei so much so that now Apple has managed to outsell Huawei as well as Vivo, Oppo and other Chinese makers. So Apple sales in the country was up 32% even though the overall domestic market shrank 9%. And here's one interesting tidbit for you. Um, Tim Cook has more good news to cheer because Mm. he got a court ruling against a super Apple fan, a restraining order. This woman was harassing and stalking him for more than a year, twice appearing at his home, sending him pictures of guns and ammunition, trying to be his roommate. (laughs) I think Tim Cook had enough and he managed to get a restraining order. So she can't go near him or any Apple employees uh, for now. So I think he should be a quite happy man today. Oh, I'm sure he's relieved at least with that restraining order. One more corporate result to share before we move on to the Fed. And that's from Boeing. The airplane giant is in the red for the third straight year. The culprit problems with its 787 Dreamliner program has cost Boeing more than 5 billion US dollars. All right. Time to talk Jerome Powell and the Fed. The markets have been on edge all week, really longer, waiting to hear what the Fed chair would have to say about interest rates and bond purchases. Okay, Ryan, what was telegraphed? What was actually said? Do we know how many rate hikes there will be this year? Okay, so we do have a clearer inkling. Uh, so let's start with what's pretty much expected. No changes this time around, but it does set the stage of what to come in the next meeting in March. And this is where he signaled for rate hikes to start then, so from zero, possibly to 0.25%. And that is also with the scaling back of the existing monetary policy or accommodative monetary policies, uh, where they are going to be start reducing their purchases as well as reducing their bonds in their portfolio. So something to look out for. And on top of that, 
what's worth noting is he didn't rule out hiking at every single meeting this year. So he's saying he's going to be flexible in leaving things open, watching the inflation data. Um, so this is worth noting because um, it really sets the stage up for more than three rate hikes, which was what was being signaled in the meeting last time in December. Mm-hmm. So in the space of nearly four weeks, things have changed so much that inflation has worried the Fed enough to start thinking about possibly more than what it was thinking about. So something to chew on as we continue to digest how inflation continues to become a bigger worry than what's happening elsewhere in the economy because the Fed has to weigh between addressing inflation or trying to keep rates low to help the economy recover because when rate hikes happen, the cost of borrowing goes up and that has a slight impact on business activity and everything else that comes along with it. So this time around, it's more worried about inflation than the economy. So the U.S. markets initially rallied upon the release of the Fed statement, but investor sentiment turned sour as Fed Chair Jerome Powell gave a press conference. So what did he say that brought out the sellers, do you think? Okay, so the good news, I think, came through in the early part of the session when the Fed pretty much announced no surprises. So that is with no rate changes and the QE to end on schedule in March. And then when the press conference came through, he became, or at least sounded, more hawkish than I expected. So pretty much leaving the door open for more rate hikes, maybe at every single meeting. And then the commentary and the language started to show that he was not making any strong commitments. So he really left things very flexible in terms of what he could do. And if you look at what the various Fed officials have been pointing at, they have talked about how inflation is a big worry. And if you look at the jobs market, it is not a big worry for him now. He talked about how there are so many job openings out there um, and there are also companies complaining about not being able to hire workers. So the job market in that sense is tight. So he is really feeling quite confident about possibly raising more in the future. The Dow finished about 0.4% down overnight. The S&P 500 also ended in the red, while the Nasdaq finished ever so slightly in the green. Let's bring the conversation home to Singapore, where we have a new special purpose acquisition company listing on the Singapore Exchange this morning. Novo Telus Alpha Acquisition is the third blank check company to list on the Singapore market over the past week. The company goes by the abbreviation NTAA, the public tranche of its listing about seven times subscribed. So what do we know about our latest SPAC here in Singapore? Is NTAA looking for a tech deal the way Vertex Technology and Pegasus Asia, the two SPACs that listed last week, are? All right, let's take a look at what we have. It's number three on the SPAC list for Singapore. And this is, as you guessed, aiming at technology and the industrial sector in the Indo-Pacific region as potential targets for SD-SPAC. So, this is also worth noting how much interest it's been getting in the subscription stage. So it was on the public offer tranche, 7.6 times subscribed on the international placement tranche, 3.1 times subscribed. So overall, offering was 3.4 times subscribed. So something to keep an eye out for today in Singapore trading. 
We've talked a bit on the show about the divergence in views regarding SPACs in the U.S. and even here in Asia. While Singapore is seeing new listings, SPACs in the U.S. already starting to feel passé. In fact, over the past 24 hours or so, at least four blank check companies have withdrawn their IPOs. Fill us in. Why is this happening? Okay, so that is worth watching to see if this becomes a stronger trend. And just to give you some of the names, uh, we've got SPACs like do it again corporation this is one that targets a deal in the restaurant or food service sector you've got murphy canyon acquisition corporation uh, this is something that's been trying to target a deal in the real estate sector so something to do with prop tech so that is really i think reflecting how much saturation there is in the u.s at least when it comes to specs and i think there were about 600 specs um the last i saw trying to find a spec target and it is quite a crowded space. So it is going to be very tough to find a good deal when you've got so much competition. And if you look at the performance of many of these specs post-IPO, many of them are now under their offer price. So it doesn't really strong, uh, lend a strong um, confidence that they will be able to perform against this backdrop. But it is a slightly different picture in Asia where you've got quite a strong pipeline when it comes to startups uh, with the recent unicorns uh, being minted in the region, in Singapore, in India, in Indonesia. So that is a more promising prospect, at least. Back here at home, Singapore's real estate investment trusts are in the midst of earnings season. To take a look at this, we turn to our daily game of Up or Down. Are you ready? Let's go. Suntech REIT, Ryan. All right, Suntech REIT is rising 9.8% for its second half DPU and that is at 4.5 cents. So that's going to be up for me for Suntech REIT. Looking good for Suntech REIT. Let's move to ARA Logos Logistics Trust. Okay, so this is going to be a down for me. So it's got its DPU for its second half December down right now at 2.4 cents and this is versus 2.9 cents in the year ago period and this is partly due to an enlarged unit base after a round of fundraising Mm -hmm. for its purchases in Australia. Yeah, it's down for me as well with A-Log paying out lower distribution. So really a lesson to unit holders, isn't it? What can happen when a REIT raises money to fund a purchase by issuing more units? The larger unit base can can translate into fewer distributions per unit. Let's look at Maple Tree Commercial Trust. Up or down, Ryan? All right, MCT is up for me and it's up 5.6% for its net property income for the past nine months. Up for me as well on the back of that news, Ascendus India REIT. Okay, Ascendus India REIT, that is going to be an up for me. What? <laughs> Definitely a down Ascendus India REIT's DPU is down 14%. Now, as we digest these numbers, Ryan, are there any lessons you can take out of this season's REIT results yet? Well, it is going to be a tough environment for REITs, I think, with the rising interest rate. So that's going to be one to watch in terms of the impact on DPUs. Also, what's happening in the space of M&A? We've heard from many REITs trying to get bigger because science matters when they are trying to compete for deals against PE firms, against foreign REITs. So it's a very competitive space in real estate right now. So look out for more M&A deals to possibly be re-rating or at least unit price moving catalysts for whatever you're holding out for. So the latest to watch out for, of course, has been Maple Tree. And yes, RE has been restricted is due for A-Log. So something to look out for in this space for REITs this year. And of course, the various REITs 
operate in different industries and to some extent it is dependent on the restrictions being lifted across borders mm. so hospitality is going to be one that will be dependent on more tourism for example and the retail sector to some extent as well that is also something that could benefit from uh, restrictions being lifted and for office space, that, that's going to be interesting because I think offices are still trying to reassess their priorities and how much space they need. So that'll be one to watch when you look at the office REITs. And final question for you, Ryan. Is a crypto winter here? I would say... No, I'm just kidding. Yes. We're talking about... Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah, great, because great, great. you've got so much going on. More countries just putting the cold water when it comes to um, the prospects of crypto. Uh, just this week alone, I was looking at Thailand, thinking about putting the lid on letting them operate in the retail space when it comes to payments because they think there's no upside to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how uh, much benefit they can bring because the payment system digitally in Thailand is already so efficient. They are thinking, no, this is so speculative. There is no real benefit for them to be so accessible to um, retail investors or users. And they also mentioned a recent trend about gamification. Um, The recent slew of apps have made it so easy for retail investors to just speculate and they want to be extra careful uh, when it comes to cryptocurrencies. South Korea as well, getting tough on the pay-to-earn scheme. So then there's IMF telling El Salvador to ditch the Mm. legal tender status for Bitcoin. I just threw that in because really we're talking about it in the 11 o'clock hour. We've got a panel coming up to discuss whether or not this whole idea of being, uh, you know, long-term investing in crypto is still relevant in this day and age. What's long term? A hundred years? Yeah, we're going to discuss that as well. It depends on who you speak with. Uh, let's turn to Singapore now, Ryan. We are 27 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index clawed back some of its losses yesterday from earlier in the week, closing up about three quarters of a percent to 30, 32.71. The agribusiness Wilma International was the top gainer among the blue chips. How's the STI trading this morning? Yeah, it's been down for Asia mostly so far, so not excluding the STI, which is also in the red by 0.6%. To 3,252 points right now. And looking at where you are on the STI, it's just leaving three counters in the green. And they are Hong Kong land up by over 3%, Semcorp Industries up by 0.9%, and followed closely behind by Thai Bev. And at the bottom right now, I've got Maple Tree Industrial Trust down by 3%, followed by SGX, Capital DC REIT, Jody Matheson, and Singtel. So lots of to chew on as we see investors digest the Fed move or at least signals of possibly more rate hikes than expected this year. Indeed. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang there. We know it's impossible to time the market and to find out or to look ahead and think of economic lows of the markets and when it could reach its highs. But we will put the impossible to Arun Pai, have his take on the Fed's announcement uh, overnight and his view on the stock market for 2022. That's still to come at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.